This is Bob Barker, and you're listening to On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to episode 651 of On Screen and Beyond. This is a special edition of On Screen and Beyond. We'll have our regular edition coming out. But uh, we wanted to put out this episode because uh, you may have heard by now that television personality, game show host, animal activist Bob Barker has passed away. And uh, we had the honor of having Bob join me on the show here back in 2009. And I wanted to make sure that uh, as a tribute to him, we put out that episode once again. We won't put it in entirety as far as the, uh, you know, the upcoming movies and things like that. But uh, we wanted to give you the interview with Bob himself. So uh, I wanted to uh, make sure that this one gets out for you immediately. Bob Barker, in case uh, you don't know who he was, uh, a lot of you know younger people may not remember him. Uh, he was the host of uh, the te- television show The Price is Right and Truth or Consequences in, pa- in the past years before that. And of course, uh, he was also the Miss Universe pageant uh, host and a lot of different things he did. And a lot of people remember him from his uh, performance on uh, different movies and TV shows. But uh, one of course, uh, you know, that uh, everybody remembers him from his work on uh, the Adam Sandler comedy, Happy Gilmore. And of course, during the interview, Bob talks about that and the fight scene that he had with Adam Sandler. So uh, it's it's very interesting to hear, you know, how that came about and uh, everything. Bob does a great job uh, talking about that. Now, uh, this episode of On Screen and Beyond that this show was done on uh, this interview was back in 2009 when we did it, and uh, it was our 58th episode, so it was uh, quite a long time ago. And also, uh, you know, the the way we recorded things back then was a little different, so the sound is not quite that that great. But uh, it's uh, just a, such a fascinating interview to listen to Bob Barker talk, and it was an honor to have him on the show. And I want to make sure that uh, you know you get to listen to it again. You can go back and listen to the original one back in episode fifty-eight. But as a tribute to Bob, we wanted to make sure we put one out specially for him. And uh, we, uh, you know, have always I've always respected uh, the work he did, and uh, just so many different uh, times I've mentioned uh, different people we've had on the show, and Bob Barker comes up every time when I, when I talk about that. So I just wanted to get this one out, and uh, I hope you'll enjoy it and uh, tell a friend about it, let them listen to it, learn about Bob Barker from himself, Bob Barker, and uh, we hope you'll enjoy this one. So. Uh, here it is, uh, coming up in just a moment, so the interview with Bob Barker from 2009, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest has been the recipient of 19 Emmys and an MTV Movie Award. 
He has a new book out called Priceless Memories. He's a true legend, and as he said this past weekend, by receiving the 2009 Game Show Awards First Legend Award, he has the award to prove it. He's Bob Barker. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Bob. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And uh, to pursue that for a moment, that award, uh, this was the first award, the first legend award. Yes. Now, there will be one uh, next year, mm-hmm. and so there will be another legend. But for this year, I am not a legend. I am the legend. That's right. <laughs> because there is no other uh, uh, recipient of the of the official legend award. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very exciting. I'm thinking of having a tattoo done. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, Bob, whether you got an award or not, you're always a legend to us, I'll tell you. Well, thank you very much, Brian. First off, uh, I do want to congratulate you on receiving the award. And uh, it was great to see you on on TV once again. And and your skit at the beginning of the show with Howie Mandel was a riot. I think it was my finest acting since Happy Gilmore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, since you're mentioning that, uh, before we get into the other stuff, uh, I want to ask you something about that. Now, over the, your career, uh, you've delved a couple of times into um, acting, and one time you, you were on Bonanza? I was on Bonanza, and I was on uh, two episodes of Something So Right. Mm-hmm. I was uh, Shirley Jones' husband, oh. and um, Shirley... Uh, was just so kind to me. She was so helpful to me. I can never thank her enough. Uh, she was my dialogue coach. She was <laughs> my tutor. And you can't do better than having an Academy Award winner uh, help you through a couple of shows like that. That's for sure. Gee. Uh, now, when, when you did Bunny Answer in, in those shows, were, were you thinking of getting into acting? Oh, no, no. I was already emceeing uh, Truth or Consequences right, yeah. uh, when I did Bonanza. And as a matter of fact, the head of daytime wanted me to go over and be on Bonanza just to sort of uh, remind people that Bob Barker was around <laughs> and uh, doing Truth or Consequences. Ah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, then, of course, the... Uh, your other delve into acting, uh, which is actually a little more recent, and you won an award from MTV for that, was uh, your your time on uh, the Happy Gilmore with Adam Sandler. That was the highlight of my acting career. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I did that uh, movie. We made it in 1994, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. At least it was released, I think, in 1994. Yeah. And I did Price is Right for another 13 years. And I never taped a Price is Right that someone didn't bring up and had the audience start talking about Happy Gilmore. (laughs) It was, it became a cult thing, particularly with young men. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, they they would want to know where we did it, how we did it, and did I enjoy it and all this. And... uh, Young men would ask me, could you really beat up Adam Sandler? In real life, could you beat up Adam Sandler? And I'd tell them, Adam Sandler couldn't whip Regis Philbin. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. They wanted to know if I really did the fighting, and of course I did. Yeah, yeah. I'd studied karate for years with Chuck Norris before I became an actor. Wow, yeah. And I insisted on doing my own fighting. In fact, uh, 
Adam Sandler had um, watched Price is Right ever since he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he wrote that part of the movie himself. And uh, he didn't tell me he was doing it, but he sent it to me. And when I saw that I won the fight, I, ins- I said, I'll do the picture. Because uh, Chuck, of course, had beaten me up twice a week for years. And uh, I'd never won a fight. So I went up there. We did it in Canada. And I went up. And the, the director, he took me aside and said, now, Bob this and Bob that and Bob the other thing. And he said, and Bob, don't worry about uh, the fight. He said, we have a, a double here, and he'll do the fight. I said, oh, no, he won't. I said, I came up here to win a fight. I didn't come up here to watch a, a double win the fight. So I did it all myself. He wow. kept the roll down the hill. I didn't do that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So he wrote that especially for you? Yes, he did it for me. That's right. Wow, yeah. Now, now, if he had put it in that he had won the fight, would you have done it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been beaten up enough. I, I wanted to win a fight. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Mark Cuban, and if you love television like I love television, you have to listen to On Screen and Beyond. Now, um, your your book, Priceless Memories, it yes. came out in April, and uh, what made you decide to write a book? Well, a friend of mine, Norman Brokaw, who was the chairman of the board of... of uh, William Morris. I don't know what his position is now since that merger with Endeavor, but uh, he and I were talking, and uh, we were talking about books, and he said, Bob, if you want to write a book, he said, I'll get you a publisher. And I said, I don't know whether I want to write a book or not. I said, let me think about it. But within a week, he called me, and he said, I have a publisher, and I have a good upfront deal. He said, uh, here it is. And I said, all right, I guess I'm going to write a book. Hmm. So I did. Yeah. And I decided that I wanted to write a happy book. All of these things that we're talking about were fun. They were, I like, the movies, the, the guest appearances, the, uh, uh, the shows themselves that I did, Truth or Consequences and Price is Right. Yeah. I've, always, I've always been in, in happy situations, and I wanted a happy book, and I think that's what you'll find uh, Priceless Memories to be. Oh, it's, yeah. Uh, I don't say anything derogatory, unlike so many Hollywood books. I don't say anything derogatory about anybody. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. Yeah. Now, when, when you're writing a book like this and you're looking back on your life, uh, were there times when you were coming up with things like, and you said, oh, I had forgotten all about that? And yes, absolutely. There really? were things that, uh, 
um, I thought uh, uh, clear back to my my childhood. I uh, I lived on the Rosebud Indian Reservation in South Dakota when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and um, we lived in a little town called Mission, and we had a, a basketball team called the Mission Midgets, and we would play. We were just you know in the third grade or so, and uh, we would play. Uh, during the halftime of the high school game. And uh, I hadn't thought about this in years, but I remembered something that my mother did that really was pretty amusing and everyone enjoyed. Uh, We didn't have uniforms, and we used to uh, wear these T-shirts, undershirts, like... uh, uh, I don't know whether you've seen it happened one night, but uh, mm-hmm, yeah. that Clark Gable picture where Gable wears that under uh, shirt, you know, that with uh, no sleeves. No sleeves, yeah. And, and everybody in the country was wearing them there for a while. <laughs> but that's what we wore. And the little boys' mothers all sewed numbers on their backs mm-hmm. for the sons, you know. And my mother sewed, sewed a question mark on my back. <laughs> she thought that was very funny, and so did everybody else. And I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about it in years, but I put that in the book. Wow, yeah. Now, before becoming a game show host, uh, you were a DJ. And well, I was not really a DJ. I, I worked in a radio station, and I did have a disc jockey program for a mm-hmm. while, uh, but... Uh, I, I, I was a DJ, yes, I was. I was a disc jockey, but that, that wasn't all I was doing. In those days, in a small station, you had an opportunity to do everything. And right. I, my first job was uh, um, writing local news and doing a sportscast, and then I became a staff announcer, and I, I was indeed a disc jockey, and I did a lot of things. But it was at that very first station where I first had an opportunity to do an audience participation show. And I had decided I would like to stay in radio. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if I were ever going to do anything on a national level, level, I had to specialize. I couldn't just do everything. And I was trying to decide what I wanted to try to specialize in. And I got this opportunity to do this first audience participation show and uh, just talking with people out of an audience as I've done all my life. And uh, I went home, and my wife had heard it, and she said, Barker, that's what you should do. You did that better than you've ever done anything else. Hmm. She didn't say I was good. (laughs) (laughs) Better than I'd ever done anything else. And so she and I set out from that day on to get me a national show, a radio show. It was long before television. Right, yeah. Yeah. Now, when you had, uh, you mentioned in your book that you uh, had the show, the, the Bob Barker show. Right. Um, what was that? Was that a music show or was that no, no, a participation? No, uh, the Bob Barker show came much, much later. Uh-huh. Uh, in fact, I was in California then. Yeah. And uh, uh, Dorothy Joe and I, she, she worked right along beside me. She and I were doing uh, radio shows for the Southern California Edison Company which had auditoriums in cities all around Los Angeles. And um, we called that the Bob Barker Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, that was what Ralph heard, Ralph Edwards heard. Right. And uh, led to me becoming the host of Truth or Consequences. Yeah. Now, 
if you hadn't become a game show host, what would you have probably been doing, do you think? Well, when I was a kid up there on the reservation, my dream was to pitch for the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yes. I wanted to pitch for the Cardinals. And as a matter of fact, I have mentioned that in interviews. And when I went to St. Louis to do a show, and um, the Cardinal, uh, someone in the Cardinal office had seen or heard one of these interviews and uh, invited me out to the ballpark. And Whitey Herzog was the manager at that time. And Whitey gave me a jacket that I still wear. It's a beautiful jacket. And uh, he signed me to a contract. And I got a dollar a year from the Cardinals so long as I do not pitch. <laughs> Whitey said, if I hear of you warming up, he said, you're through. That's the contract is null and void. <laughs> uh, now, um, in the book, you talk about your first... Uh, Truth of Consequences show, and, and it mentioned that uh, your your first guest was the boxing champ Jack Dempsey. That's right. Uh, were you a fan of, of Jack Dempsey? Oh yes, everybody was. I I, uh, I thought uh, he was one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, and he was a small heavyweight. He was less than two hundred pounds, I think, at his best uh, weight hmm. at that time. I don't know what it is now, but at that time there was only one heavyweight division. It was one hundred seventy five up. Yeah, and uh, and. Dempsey, but he was big. He was a big guy. As I said in the book, when I shook hands with him, my hand just disappeared. <laughs> was it exciting to have somebody like Jack Dempsey come on for your first oh, show? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it was exciting for me to be working for and uh, with uh, Ralph Edwards. Oh, when yeah. Ralph called, I, I was, my wife and I had a little advertising agency, and uh, she was there in the office, and I was out doing something, and uh, I came home, and she said that Ralph Edwards had called. And I said, the Ralph Edwards? And she said, well, they said Ralph Edwards Productions, so I think it was. And I was excited from that moment on because <laughs> I had watched, uh, heard him on radio. Uh, in the, the year I graduated from high school, 1941, uh, Ralph uh, was doing Truth or Consequences on radio, and it was the number one radio show in the, in the country. Wow. And when I came back to the office these, all these years later, and he had called, I was one excited young man. I'm sure. Gee. Now, now you also said in, in the the first show that you gave away a Studebaker. Uh, no, I drove. To, we drove to, to Hollywood in a Studebaker. Oh, okay. That was where the Studebaker came in. Uh, one with the airplane-like nose and uh, a yellow, and it was pretty flashy, pretty hmm. flashy automobile. And uh, on that first show, though, we gave away. Uh, in those days, a washing machine was a big prize. Right, yeah. Now, on price, they give away a whole kitchen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, even uh, a hairdryer. I gave away uh, Princess uh, Princess something perfume. I gave it away by the gallon. I'm surprised they ever sold any. Yeah. Princess, what was it? Have you ever heard of it? Uh, you remember it at all? Jeez, no. I... I've forgotten what it is. I don't, th- I don't see how I forgot it, but... <laughs> We we uh, and a, we once had a huge national contest and gave away ten thousand dollars. Why today at ten thousand dollars is just uh, nothing on the show. Yeah, but back then, I mean, that was back then that was a lot of money. Yeah, I can remember shows like Queen for a Day and things would, like you say, would give a, a an oven or a, <laughs> or a refrigerator, and it was right. the greatest prize they could get. When I came to Hollywood in nineteen fifty, ten thousand dollars a year was considered a very good salary for mm. a year. Yeah. yeah. 
Did you ever think back then that that you would be giving away, you know, hundreds or thousands of cars over your career? No, I I didn't. Uh, uh, no, I could not have conceived of the of the magnitude of, uh, of the prizes that I would give away in a lifetime uh, because we we uh, you would have to uh, be. Um, I don't know, uh, you'd have to be able to look into the future to even dream of giving away the prizes. And, and then even, the, well, I remember when $64,000 question came on, why, that was huge. Oh, yeah, yeah. $64,000 question was a big deal. Yeah. And now, if you're not talking about a million dollars on the show, why, you just ain't with it. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, do you, do you actually know how many cars you've given away over the years? I don't really know. Yeah. No, I uh, I have a, a book of statistics that I have that's in, but I don't know how many I have. Yeah, but you've given. I, yeah, I did about sixty five hundred prices right. Oh, boy! And uh, we always had at least one car on a show. We didn't always give it away, but we offered at least one car every show. Even in the beginning, that's true. And then we were offering two and three. I would guess that I probably given away around. Uh, 6,000 uh, automobiles. Wow. <laughs> All shapes and sizes. Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Now, you, one of the things I've always noticed is, of course, that you, you always used a handheld, long-neck-handled uh, mic That's right. on The Price is Right. Was that something, uh, your choice? or? Well, uh, we wanted uh, a mic that was long enough for me to... to uh, I was sometimes talking with people in contestants' row or contestants have a way to wander around and uh, we wanted something long enough to reach them when they started that and then we wanted something small because if I'd hold a large microphone in front of the contestant's face, it would block the the reactions mm-hmm. and we, our show was a show of reactions, you know, Yeah. and uh, we wanted to be able to see the contestants and it became a trademark I, I used three of them one of them is in the uh, Smithsonian now. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, and one is in the capsule at CBS that will be open sometime in the future. Mm. And one I gave to United Activists for Animal Rights, and they sold it on eBay and got $20,000 for it. Wow. Uh, I was very pleased about that. Yes, I mean, it's good cause, too. <laughs> it's for a very good cause. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, that was something else I wanted to, to ask you about. Now, you've always been a strong advocate for animal rights. Um, was there something that brought that about to the forefront in your life? No, there was no epiphany, but um, I had always loved animals. Ever since I was, before I even started to school, I had animals and loved them. And um, about uh, well, between 35 and 40 years ago now, I... Uh, Again, I, I contributed financially to organizations that work for animals, but I began to uh, be active in their work. I worked with different organizations and became aware of the terrible exploitation and mistreatment of animals. And I, uh, I, don't, I just felt compelled to try to do what I could to help rectify the situation, and that's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm over the years now. Yeah. And I might add that I get as much satisfaction from all of our successes as I have been able to get from anything else in my lifetime. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Now, looking back at Truth or Consequences, uh, I know we're jumping around here because <laughs> every time right. you mention something, it brings to mind different things. But uh, on Truth or Consequences, what was your funniest memory of that show? My funniest memory? Um, well, it's probably a consequence that uh, I uh, describe in detail in Priceless Memories. Mm-hmm. In I uh, we we parked a truck up in front of uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. I think it's Man's Chinese Theater now, mm-hmm. but it was Grauman's then. And uh, in the back of this truck, uh, there was a uh, cage. It was a big cage, and there was uh, hay in there, and there was a chimp in this cage. Only it wasn't a chimp. It was a fellow named Janos Prohaska, who could make you believe you were sitting by a chimp if he was anywhere near you. He, he was wonderful. And with him was a fellow named Milt Larson, one of our writers at that time. He, uh, later years, uh, he created the uh, very famous uh, ho- uh, Hollywood uh, landmark, the Magic Castle. Yeah. And uh, Milt was there, and we were waiting for just the right fellow. We had hidden microphones and hidden cameras. And uh, the right man came down the street, a big, broad-shouldered fellow. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was a former professional football player. He played for the old Los Angeles Dons. And Milt asked him if he'd help him out for a moment. He said, this cage, the lock is not working properly. And he said, I want to go into the theater and get my tools and repair it. He said, would you hold this cage door closed so this chimp doesn't get out? while I go in the theater. And the man said, sure I will, sure I'll be happy to. And he got up there and he held this cage. And Milt, of course, disappeared into the theater. Now, the chimp had been asleep and it, be, it began to wake up and it kind of tossed a little hay around. And the, this big manly fellow started talking baby talk. So he said, that's all right, baby. That's all right, daddy will be right back, baby. You just relax, baby, that's fine. And the chimp kind of moved over toward the door and he said, there you are, you sweet little thing. You're all right. You just relax. Daddy will be right back. And the chimp grabbed the door and threw the door open. He says, back, you son of a bleep. Down, you bleep. Back, you bleep. And he jumped off his truck, started running into the theater, and the chimp right after him. <laughs> and, uh, I, as I said, I can never tell this story. Because I started... <laughs> laughing myself. It was hilarious. He chased that fellow, and the guy, his language was terrible. And we, we played it just as it happened. We called it the bleep consequence because he was calling him a dirty bleep, a son of a bleep, and all this. And I could hardly go out and play pay the thing off. I... I went out there finally, and I said to this fellow, I said, I'm Bob Barker. He said, I know who you are. (laughs) And I said, said, and you're on truth or consequences. He said, yes, I know now. I know, I know. And I said, you've been a wonderful contestant. And I said, we have a wonderful prize for you. And in those days, it was a wonderful prize. It wasn't be much now. I said, you've won a billiards table. 
Wow. He said, what the hell am I going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a perfect end to the bleep consequence. <laughs> now, now, how did you handle That was live, right? Uh, well, sure. No, no, no. This was taped. Oh, that was taped. Oh, okay. No, I did. When I did Truth or Consequences in the beginning, yes, it was all live. But this was a, a, a hidden camera type thing that we taped. Oh, okay. So that was what in the sixties? Uh, that would be the fifth, sixth, sixth. Yeah, probably mid to late sixties, right? Yeah. I, if, if, with you telling us that, it seems so. I've seen that uh, that episode before. Oh, did you? Uh, it, it, it you know just vaguely well, comes you know to mind. How funny that was! Oh, yeah, well, like I say, hearing you talk about it, I, I can remember that. Seems so <laughs> seeing that and. Well, anybody who saw it has never forgotten it. Yeah. We got letters, We and people bring it up with me sometimes. Yeah. And then when I mentioned it in the book, a lot of people have told me that uh, that they saw it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Hello, this is Carl Reiner on On Screen and Beyond. Now, how about Price is Right? Uh, anything funny well, that comes to mind? the most memorable thing, that's easy. The most memorable thing that ever happened on Price is Right, it probably, before I finished the show, it was probably 25 to 30 years. I, I did the show 35 years. It yes. probably happened around the first, say, around about the 10th year or so, but no one ever forgot it. There was a young lady in the tube top. <laughs> seated in the audience, <laughs> yes. and uh, her name was called to come on down, and she jumped to her feet and began jumping up and down, and both of them came out of the tube top. She came on down, and they came on out, and the audience went crazy. Now, I didn't see it. I was behind the doors. She was one of the first four contestants, oh. so I, they always called four contestants, then they introduced me. So when they introduced me, I came out, and they were screaming, and I thought, well, they love me, right. <laughs> and I was preening around up there, thanking them, and so I finally realized nobody ever liked me this much, and I turned to Johnny Olson, and I said, Johnny, what has happened out here? And Johnny said, Bob, this girl has given her all for you, <laughs> and no one ever forgot it. And did did she continue on to to win anything? No, she didn't get out of contestants' row. Oh, she did. She was in contestants' row the whole show. No. <laughs> she did a lot of bidding, of course, but she didn't do do as. But she she's more she's more memorable than anybody who ever won anything. Right, there's people who've won a million dollars, and she's the one everybody remembers. She's the one everyone remembers. Yeah. Now, I, on the show, I always remember. There were times when you actually looked worried because people were always trying to hug you or kiss you, or that was fright. Yeah, well, that's what I was wondering. Is it you know was that actually? Uh, were you well, nervous? It's terrifying. They uh, these contestants beat on me. <laughs> they would uh, women would stand beside me and little pinches in my arm. Oh, I'm so worried. I'm so I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. <laughs> and they'd pinch me. And uh, I, they'd step on my feet. And uh, I had one butt me. Yeah, she bent over coming up the steps, never straightened out, hit me right in the abdomen. Oh, and uh, I had one, about 5'4", get under my chin and jump up and down. 
uh, it was a wonder I lasted 35 years, frankly. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I can remember all the times that seeing you, you'd sort of, if somebody was real active, you'd sort of step away. <laughs> I didn't keep... just step away, I ran. <laughs> I would run behind the props, threaten to go lock myself in my dressing room. <laughs> and so many times I can remember little old lady spinning the wheel and falling down. Oh, and flat down, yes. <laughs> Yeah, jeez, it, it was such a good show, uh, and, and you are missed. I mean, I'll I'll tell you. I mean, you know, just not having you there is it's it's just not the same. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's wonderful to be missed. I I did as long as I could, though. Yeah, I was eighty three when I retired, and um, people asked me, "Why did you decide to retire, Bob?" And I'd say, "Well." I want to retire while I'm still young. I'm 83. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, it, thinking back when I was, uh, you know, getting ready you, for your... Are, do you hear a noise in the background now? Sounds like a, a truck or... Well, the, the gardener is... <laughs> he's blowing leaves right oh, okay. just outside my window, but he'll move on. He's gone. Oh, that's okay. You can barely hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was, as I was getting ready for this interview, um, I was thinking back, and you know, in television history, I can only think of three people who have earned so much trust and respect from the audience, and one would be Walter Cronkite. Oh, my, that's good company. The other would be Johnny Carson. Oh, yeah. And then you. I mean, you know, you all have that that you just your presence <laughs> just you know makes well, people. We're want. all three Midwesterners, aren't we? I know Johnny is. He's from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about Walter uh, Cronkite. Cronkite, I, I thought was Midwesterner. We're all three Midwesterners, down to earth guys that uh, got on television one way or another. Yeah, well, I tell you, you know, it's, it's, it's the three of you are like, <laughs> you know, the just so, everybody just respects you and trusts you, and, and, and it's just, uh, you know, to, to be able to do that, the, you know, it really says something about you. Well, I'm proud to be mentioned in the same conversation with two fellows as fine as they are, yeah. what they did, and I understand they were very nice people, too. Yeah. Now, um, after 35 years, so, uh, like you say, was it a tough decision? To, I know you, you were just talking about it, but was it a tough decision to, to, you know, after 35 years of people welcoming you into their homes every day like that? And, oh, and, of course. It, uh, Price is Right was hugely successful. Yeah. We um, always had top ratings, and uh, people lined up. But some shows have to buy an audience. We, don't, we, we had to turn people away. Oh, yeah. It was... Um, it was such a joy, and I had so much fun doing it. I really did. And that's why, listen, how many people worked until they're 83? Right, yeah. If, uh, it hadn't been so much fun, and if I hadn't enjoyed it so much, I uh, probably would never have lasted until I was 83. But I, I enjoyed it up till the last minute of the last show. Mm -hmm. And I uh, am happy to say that I'm enjoying my retirement, too. Now, I keep busy. I really do. I you don't do. sit around just staring off into space. But yes. uh, I, um, I've enjoyed... Uh, I, I'm a complete success at retirement. <laughs> I think it was because I did it at just the right time. Yeah. Not too soon, not too late. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's... Uh you know the book. I highly recommend people get the book. It's 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 very enjoyable. And like you say, it's 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 a fun book. It, it's a fun book, and I should mention that uh, all of the uh, profits from uh, 
priceless memories will go to the DJ&T Foundation, which uh, subsidizes spay neuters for dogs all over the United States. Oh. So it's for a good cause. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Bob, I want to tell you, it's been a tremendous honor having you joining us today, and I want to thank you so much, and I wish you the best with your book. Thank you, Brian. And, uh, Bob, I'm going to ask you, and, and if you don't want to, that's okay, but could you finish the show with your famous phrase that you... I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> if you had not asked me, I would have said, help control the pet population, have your pets spayed or neutered. <laughs> What an incredible man, Bob Barker, and uh, may he rest in peace. We uh, hope you enjoyed hearing that interview once again, and uh, I you know, always have to just thank him so much for agreeing to be on the show here at On Screen and Beyond back in 2009. So hope you enjoyed that, and I uh, hope you'll tell a friend about this episode of On Screen and Beyond. And uh, Bob was 99 when he passed away uh, earlier today. And he was within four or five months of his uh, 100th birthday. So um, hope you enjoyed that. And we will be having our regular episode of On Screen or Beyond, uh, which will now be episode 651. And that's coming up tomorrow right here on On Screen and Beyond. So I hope you'll keep listening. Tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. And uh, thank you for listening. Our tribute to Barker. (laughs) 